0: Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. Good to have you with us. You know, we hear a lot about Donald Trump's war on immigrants, on African Americans, and on women, but we don't hear a lot about his war on LGBTQ Americans. However, it's very real and very dangerous. In fact, the most gay-friendly presidential administration in history under Barack Obama has been followed by the least gay-friendly administration under Donald Trump, which was in the Supreme Court just last week, arguing that employers should be able to fire workers just because they happen to be gay, lesbian, or trans. We wanted to know more about that, so we sat down with Alfonso David, the dynamic new head of the Human Rights Campaign, the nation's largest gay rights organization at HRC's headquarters in Washington. Alfonso, it's good to see you. And congratulations on taking the helm of the HRC. Thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah, you very big much. Big shoes to fill, too. Yes. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. So I want to ask you, we, uh, in the wake of the most gay-friendly administration ever, we're now almost three years into the Trump administration. What's the status of the LGBT community under Donald Trump? How do you see it?
1: I see the community the LGBTQ community under direct attack from the Trump and the Pence administration. Uh, Donald Trump has, even before he became president, but certainly since, uh, used the LGBTQ community as a target. And he has strategically and systematically sought to strip away protections that the community has had, um, treat them differently than others, and ostracize them. Uh, There are so many examples from banning transgender people from serving their country simply because of their gender identity, to filing a brief in the Supreme Court to say that LGBT people should not be protected by federal civil rights laws. The Trump administration is saying to employers, we want to allow you to fire someone because they're gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender Mm -hmm. or queer. That's a, a sea change.
0: Which you can still do in many states, right? Yeah,
1: you can still do in many states. So in more than 30 states in this country, you can be fired from your job because of your LGBTQ status. You could lose your apartment or your home. You can be denied credit or public accommodations in some cases. What we've had, though, is under federal law, LGBTQ couples had protections. Mm -hmm. They were able to file claims in federal court arguing that federal law provided them those protections, even though there was no state law protections. So what Donald Trump is seeking to do is strip away those federal protections that exist now and effectively say, if you're LGBTQ, you have no recourse.
0: Well... I wanted to ask you that because I think the general impression is that on gay rights, Donald Trump is kind of value neutral. He doesn't talk about it that much. He doesn't attack personally. And yet, that's not the case, is it?
1: No, it is not the case. So Donald Trump controls the federal administration. He has federal agencies that are issuing regulations to, as an example, one of his agencies, the Department of Labor is looking to promulgate a set of regulations that would say, if you are a federal contractor, you are allowed to discriminate against LGBTQ people. Another one of his agencies is trying to promulgate a regulation that would strip away the ACA from transgender people. He controls these agencies. And if Donald Trump wanted to protect LGBTQ people, he could. The Solicitor General, who works for the administration, filed this brief with the Supreme Court, He's effectively saying LGBTQ people don't have rights.
0: I know in your, at your annual dinner uh, on September 28, you talked about identity. It's it just mm-hmm. the importance of identity. Is this one way in which Donald Trump is using identity to divide us and to yes. target people?
1: Yes. Donald Trump is subverting identity and using it in a way to uh, to attack, to allow us, or to incentivize us to fight against each other. So he's effectively saying, be afraid of the other. Be afraid of the immigrant. Be afraid of the LGBTQ person, because they will take away something that you want. Right. That's why he's trying to change our immigration policies. That's why he's trying to ostracize the LGBTQ community. He's taking our identities and using them as a tool to oppress us. And when we don't stand up for other marginalized communities, we are indirectly supporting Donald Trump. We are allowing him to define us by separating us.
0: So for you personally, uh, someone who was born in this country but then went to Liberia, and escaped Liberia and came back here to the United States. So you are an immigrant, you are an African-American, and you are a gay man. I mean, this, is, this really hits home to you, I would imagine. It does.
1: It does. Um, it, it's, it's striking to me because I have these three identities. I am gay, I'm black, and I'm an immigrant. And, you know, he's attacking all 3 Mm-hmm. All three of my identities are not identities that Donald Trump would embrace.
0: Attacking all three and and, and pu- pushing all three against each other, Correct. against the other one.
1: Right? Correct. Which is why I believe it is so important that all of the organizations that represent marginalized communities come together. Because the infighting will further support Donald Trump.
0: So if Donald Trump, um, is, if you will, almost at war with the LGBT community. Maybe not openly, but certainly in in effect, he is. Why have the log cabin Republicans endorsed Donald Trump?
1: I have been trying to figure that out, <laughs> to be honest with you. It boggles the mind. It is divorced from reality. Any organization that claims to represent the interests of the LGBTQ people would not, under any circumstance, support Donald Trump.
0: Even a member of their own party.
1: Correct. Let's put ideology aside for a second. This president does not support the LGBTQ community. And the law Cabin Republican endorsement is an embarrassment. It's actually offensive that they're endorsing someone who is working against their own self-interest. I haven't been able to rationalize it or make any sense of it.
0: Do they try even? What do they you say? Know, there, were,
1: there were two things that I've heard. One is Donald Trump is supportive of decriminalization globally, which, again, boggles the mind because, one, that's not true. But even assuming that was, it begs the question, if Donald Trump is actually the nationalist that he claims to be, which is we shouldn't be focused on immigration and immigrants, why are you focused on policies outside of this country and not policies here? Why is it that you're taking away protections from LGBT people in your own home country, but you're and looking to decriminalize homosexuality in other parts of the world? Right, Doesn't It's nonsensical. Up. But that's what some people are pointing to as this is what he might be doing to support the community. And I think it's noise. Um,
0: has HRC taken a position yet? I understand if you haven't on the impeachment of Donald Trump?
1: We have issued a public statement that we support an inquiry into impeachment, which is what the Speaker of the House has uh, publicly said that she would be advancing. We certainly support that.
0: So we don't know what's going to happen, but were it to happen, and you mentioned him earlier, are you worried that you might get stuck with a Mike, we might get stuck with a Mike Pence who has been openly hostile to the LGBT community as congressman and as governor of Indiana?
1: No, because I believe that we will hopefully get more information during the course of this investigation that will inform our thinking. I'll just say that. That'll inform our thinking. I think we shouldn't make any assumptions about who knew or who didn't know. But to the extent that Donald Trump created or engaged in an impeachable offense, uh, I think that we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't rush to judgment that others may not be implicated as well.
0: Uh, that, and there are, there are some in Congress who are following that trail. <laughs> yes, we know that, uh, which means that Nancy Pelosi would become the president, and it's okay with me. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned earlier, I, uh, and I know one of the big successes under Speaker Pelosi is passage of the Equality Act, which yes. is something that David Cicilline and others have been working on a long time and um, HRC has certainly been in the lead on that. Um, what, any chance in the Senate, do you see? And, and Number two, two, questions. One, why is this so important? Again, why should people, I mean, aren't we all equal? Don't we all have equal rights already? Why do we need an Equality Act? And two, what are the chances in the Senate?
1: So we need an Equality Act because unfortunately, uh, as you alluded to earlier, there are instances where LGBTQ people are discriminated against in their home states, and they don't have any legal protections. We have instances where courts will interpret the law to protect LGBTQ people on the federal level, but the Trump administration is arguing that there should be no protections. So the equality act would effectively say you cannot be faced you cannot be subject to discrimination in employment and housing, public accommodations, credit, education and the like. That's currently not a comprehensive set of protections that exist today. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that LGBT people are protected in all facets of their life. Why is this important? Because anyone should be free from discrimination in their daily lives and unfortunately LGBT people are not. What's interesting is the majority of Americans support the Equality Act
0: mm-hmm.
1: when they understand that LGBT people are not fully protected. So if you were to engage in a little bit of deductive reasoning and say these elected officials are supposed to be representing the interests of their constituents, their constituents support the Equality Act, they should support the Equality Act as well. If they fail to support the Equality Act, we should vote them out of office. So the chances of it passing is anyone's guess. Many people say there is no chance it could pass in this term, but what we're hoping to do is elevate this issue making sure that people understand that the majority of Americans support it, and those elected officials understand as well that this is something that they should act on. And if they don't, we will be moving to get them out of office.
0: And I would imagine you also, uh, one of your goals is to make this an issue in the 2020 campaigns at every level. Yes. for, For the House, for the Senate, and for the White House.
1: Correct. Because there is no reason why LGBT people shouldn't have these statutory protections. And we wanna make sure that they do.
0: You mentioned, uh, we, we talked about the fact that in 30 some states, um, a gay lesbian could get fired simply because of their sexual identity or evicted from their home or be allowed to adopt or whatever. There's something else in many states that's allowed called conversion <laughs> therapy. <laughs> I can't believe it's still on the books in many states.
1: It's still on the books in many states
0: which is also, isn't it, part of the Equality Act?
1: Yes. So I was uh, involved in... And some
0: people may not understand what conversion therapy is, I guess. So I'll give them a little bit of
1: context. So conversion therapy effectively is allowing a mental health professional or a physician to try to convert someone from being gay to straight or lesbian to straight, And what happens is parents, in some cases, learn that their teenager is gay and will try to have that teenager go through psychological counseling, which in some cases have included shock therapy to convert them into being straight. Uh, We've been able to support legislation in a few states, including New York, to ban the practice of conversion therapy against minors. And that's what we're hoping to do nationwide, uh, that it's a policy and a practice that has been rejected by the American Psychological Association and the American Medical Association as being completely baseless and ineffective.
0: This is one issue. Um, marriage equality is maybe another issue. Um, the, this, the whole effort to ban transgender in the military may be another issue that could very well end up in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, what is your take on Chances uh, LGBTQ chances in the Supreme Court now that Anthony Kennedy is gone.
1: I think many of uh, my many of our my colleagues are worried uh, that it's possible the court could issue very negative rulings for LGBTQ people in this country. Uh, but we're also recognizing the history and the precedent that we have. We're hopeful that the court will respect judicial precedent and uh, ensure that LGBT people are protected. I have to continue to believe in our Constitution, and I have to continue to believe in the independence of the judiciary, that they will be intellectually honest when they see these cases, and understand the fact patterns that are being presented to them, and also understand the history. If we think about it, for the past two decades, Federal courts have held that transgender people should be protected under federal civil rights laws from being fired from their jobs. It seems to me that if the court is going to be intellectually honest, they would respect that jurisprudence. And I'm, hopef- I'm hopeful that they will. And many of my colleagues are as well. But you know, is anyone's guess what they're going to do?
0: Right. And with two Trump appointees, new appointees, there's basically a big question mark on these issues for, 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 Correct. for the moment. Yeah. Correct. Um, Again, back on at your uh, annual dinner, you talked about some of the goals that you bring to, uh, to HRC, uh, and particularly two areas I wanted to ask you about. One is uh, voter suppression uh, or v- voting rights, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, of course, championed by Stacey Abrams uh, in Georgia. Uh, what are your plans and why is that important?
1: So uh, voter suppression is... Uh it's it's rampant in this country. Uh, people of color have been confronted by this issue for decades, where they seek to exercise their constitutional right to vote, but they are faced with obstacles after obstacle after obstacle, and they show up at a polling site, and the polling site has closed early. They show up at the polling site, and they're told they need multiple forms of ID. They are shown at a polling. They show up at a polling site, and they're told their ID doesn't appear to be valid, in order to suppress uh, their opportunities to actually exercise their right to vote. This issue doesn't only affect people of color; it also affects the LGBTQ community. How so? So, a transgender person goes out to vote in a state that does not allow that transgender person to change their vital documents, and so when they show up to vote. The pollster says, I need a driver's license or a passport. The passport is inconsistent with Mm. the person's uh, physical appearance, let's just say, and that person is denied the right to vote because in their state, they don't allow the person to change their vital documents. So that's just one example of how LGBT people are being affected by voter suppression laws. And we're looking to identify the patterns throughout the country, elevate that issue, and try to come up with solutions.
0: Have you done any surveys on uh, the the LGBT community as a voting force? Uh, I, I know there's a lot of reason yeah. to come out and vote, you know, yeah. again, at every level. Yes. as uh, it translated into action?
1: It has. So we have... At As of today, the recent Gallup poll identified 11 million LGBT voters in this country and more than 57 pro-equality voters. Those are voters that support pro-equality policies. Because of those demographics, we were able to elect a pro-equality House of Representatives. We were able to actually shift the composition of the House of Representatives because of those voters, among many others, of course. And we are going to be doing that work on state levels to make sure that we support poor quality candidates as well. LGBTQ voters and our allies are more energized than ever. They understand what's at risk, and they are going to be engaged in these elections.
0: Again, thanks for being with us for today's podcast with the Human Rights Campaign. Today's podcast brought to you by the Smart Union The members of the SMART Union, that's uh, the unions combined for the sheet metal workers, air, rail, and transportation, put them together, the SMART Union under President Joseph Sellers, uh, giving a fair day's work for a fair day's pay, you bet. Check out their website at smart-union.org. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free?
1: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
0: We continue our conversation now with Afonso David, the new head of the Human Rights Campaign, which is the largest LGBT community in the world. Congratulations again. Thank you. So October 10, Los Angeles, big (laughs) town hall, power of our pride. Yes. The first, certainly nationally televised, debate among presidential candidates on this one issue of uh, rights, gay rights in the LGBT community.
1: Uh, how did that come about? We have been working for a while on this initiative, wanting to make sure that we provided an opportunity to the community to hear f- from candidates and hear how those candidates would address issues that affect the community. We all know that many of these candidates, if not all, I would assume that many of them are pro-equality. Mm-hmm. They support LGBTQ issues, which is great. The, the questions that I have, and I think the questions many others have, is how? How are you going to address these issues? Um, how are you going to affect change in a sustainable way? Um, how are you going to address issues of intersectionality? Uh, because sometimes there's an assumption that if you're LGBTQ, you don't have to worry about poverty,
0: mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. not true. Among the 10 or 12 um, of the candidates who have qualified for the DNC, do you have a favorite?
1: I may have a personal preference, but as the president of the Human Rights Campaign, I do not. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> not at this point. I think... We are going through our process of, you know, engaging in a fair amount of due diligence to determine who is the best candidate for us to endorse. Uh, we're a little far away from that, but we're going through our process now.
0: So does Pete Buttigieg have a leg up on all the rest of them, <laughs> 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 given that he is the first openly gay candidate for president?
1: Uh, Pete Buttigieg's candidacy is historic, and I think is something that we should all honor and respect. I think he's uh, very talented, very smart, Uh, Uh, policymaker. But I think we have to be very careful that we uh, give us the time to go through the due diligence before we make any final determinations. So I wouldn't say that anyone has a leg up because, again, the objective is making sure that we identify the best candidate to support all LGBTQ uh, people. And um, it's too soon to tell who that will be
0: we've talked a lot about where the united states still falls short in terms of the goal of equal rights for all americans there are other countries in the world that are way way behind us i mean with as much as you have on your plate does hrc concern itself at all with some of these international issues are you active on the global front as well
1: yes Uh, And many people don't know this, but the Human Rights Campaign is actually quite active globally, and we expect to expand our outreach and our footprint globally. We are working in Mexico. We're working in Chile. We're working in other parts of the world to make sure that we are providing guidance to employers about creating inclusive policies that can benefit their employees. We are also going to be launching an initiative Uh, that will be focused on litigation, impact litigation specifically, going into certain parts of the world to potentially file lawsuits Mm -hmm. uh, to protect LGBTQ people. It's going to be a very iterative process. We will be engaged with community activists and advocates on the ground to assess whether or not it makes sense in certain cases to file claims, in other cases to wait uh, because we want to be very intentional and strategic in how we advance this work. But it's something that I recently announced. We will be doing impact litigation globally. Uh, I
0: want to come back to the 2020 question just to make sure I understand. Um, will HRC be making an endorsement in the Democratic primary?
1: HRC will be making an endorsement for the president.
0: For president, yes.
1: Uh, whether we make that endorsement before or after the primary is too soon to tell. We've done it both ways. So we are just doing g- engaging in our assessment now.
0: Now you are in the forty-year history of HRC, the first person of color to lead the organization. Yes, that's historic. Yes. What does that say? What does that say about the gay rights movement today, if you will, in general? And what does it say about mean to you?
1: <sighs> that's a very very heady question what it says about the LGBTQ community. I hope what it says is that we are thinking collectively more inclusively, that we appreciate that diversity brings certain value to the table and a certain perspective that can further elevate the community writ large. And for me personally, it's humbling that uh, after you know, 20 years of doing civil rights work, I'm in a position where I can affect change on a broad scale. I've been able to do that in various capacities, working at Lambda Legal, working at the governor's office in New York, but this is a very different job. And uh, I'm humbled by the opportunity and understand the responsibility that goes along with it. How do you
0: relate this present position to your work as a civil rights attorney and, and to the civil rights movement? Is it part of
1: absolutely is it parallel to is it it's part of all all bias and discrimination and bigotry comes from one place indifference, all comes from indifference, where we think that someone is less than the other person, where we treat them differently because of the color of their skin, because of who they love, because of their immigration status uh, you know it it all stems from this perspective or philosophy that this person is less than me, so I can treat them differently than me. And the concept of civil rights, of course, is to make sure that we're all treated equally. You know, equal protection under the law, that provision in our Constitution, mm-hmm. we interpret differently depending on who's filing the claim, right? <laughs> right? The courts have said, well, if it's a race-based claim, it's strict scrutiny. If it's an uh, intermediate, then it's gender, right? It's different levels of analyses that the courts go through. But what's undergirding all of that is that we think that the court should be in a position to protect the disenfranchised, to protect the marginalized because the executive may not be in a position to do that because the executive is elected by the majority. The legislature is elected by the majority. The judiciary is supposed to be independent. They're supposed to represent and protect the interests of the disenfranchised and the marginalized. And so I see it all as one. When I think about civil rights, we're representing the interests of those that need their interests represented.
0: Well, it's good to have you where you are today. And thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you. And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks again to Alfonso David, and thanks to all of you for listening. Now, please do us a favor. If you haven't already done so, please go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or tune in and subscribe to the Bill Press Pod. And once you do, give us a five-star review. You know, the more subscribers, the more reviews, the more people we reach every week. Again, thanks so much for listening. Stay strong, and we'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.